0: For those of you who this is your first time, my name is Tim Horgan, I'm the Executive Director of the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire, and this is the Global in the Granite State podcast. For those of you who have been listening for the past several months, you may notice that this is off of our normal once a month schedule. Well lucky you, we have been getting a lot of interest in our programs and have wanted to share out these two interviews. First, we took the time to sit down with the New England diplomat in residence and his wife, a consular officer at the National Visa Center, to talk about their careers in the Foreign Service. We also took the time to sit down with our Academic World Quest team that won the 2019 competition and headed down to D.C. to compete against other regional winners. Before we dive in, I wanted to take a moment to talk a little bit about the programming of the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire. With New Hampshire playing such an important role in the presidential primaries, the World Affairs Council of New Hampshire is working to bring candidate forums to the state to talk about foreign policy. On April 16th, the council hosted former Massachusetts governor and Republican candidate Governor Bill Weld, And on June 18th, the council will be hosting author Marianne Williamson to share her ideas on foreign affairs. We will be working throughout the year to reach out to different candidates in order to provide New Hampshire with the opportunity to speak to all candidates on this very important issue. We do need your help in order to continue this great work, and we do hope that you will take an opportunity to support the organization via a membership and or donation. More information can be found on our website at www.wacnh.org. We really do hope to see you at some of our upcoming events and to provide you with great speakers that dive deeply into important international issues. Thank you so much to all of our current members and sponsors for the wonderful support you have provided over the years. Now on to the main event. We are here with Cynthia Abed, a consular officer with the U.S. Department of State at the National Visa Center in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and her husband, Philip Beekman, a diplomat in residence for the New England region and a public diplomacy officer. Thank you both for joining us. Thank
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: So I wanted to get a little bit of background from you guys. I know you're both married, two children, the ever-so-fun foreign service family. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into foreign service, and how you guys met?
2: Sure. Uh, Well, so I've been a foreign service officer for just under 15 years. I was born and grew up in Michigan and went to Michigan State University. And during my time at Michigan State, I did a study abroad in Central Europe, and realized that uh, I wanted to have a career that had an international component. I always knew that I wanted to do something in public service, and then after having done that study abroad, sort of figured out I'd love to do something that also is international. And so that's how I kind of found my way to this career track. Over the course of the next few years after I graduated, I applied and went through a rigorous process uh, to become a foreign service officer. So I've been in about 15 years now and served overseas in Slovenia twice, Trinidad and Tobago, and Bosnia and Herzegovina, and then have done two tours back in Washington. Uh, One in our Crisis Communication Center and then one as a Special Assistant to the Undersecretary for Public Diplomacy. Now this is my third tour back in the States as the Diplomat in Residence. That's kind of our fancy way to say recruiter for the State Department uh, covering the New England region.
1: Hi, so this is Cynthia. Uh, My path in was relatively similar to my husband in many ways, although also some differences. I'm also a fellow Midwesterner. My family's from Michigan, although we did not grow up in the same area. That was probably one of the things that attracted us to each other. I went to Harvard as an undergraduate and had a lot of awareness and a lot of introduction to international affairs when I was there. My family is of Lebanese descent, and I spent quite a bit of my childhood traveling overseas and going overseas. Also spent quite a bit of time learning about the Middle East. So I had a real interest in that from the beginning. And I kind of parlayed that interest into my studies and into my entry into the State Department. When I joined, I had a real goal to work in the Middle East. Uh, I was really fortunate to do that right away. I had Arabic language skills, which was something that uh, we look for a lot in the department. You don't have to come in with language skills, but it can always be a plus. Went straight to the Middle East, served in Jerusalem, Amman, Jordan, Dubai, UAE. Then kind of took a little detour, went to Trinidad where I met my wonderful husband. Then from there went to the Balkans, to uh, Sarajevo, and also to Ljubljana, Slovenia. So I've had a pretty rich career as a consular officer, a lot of really wonderful things that I can talk about as we continue with this. Can you
0: guys tell our audience what exactly a diplomat in residence does and what the role of a consular officer is?
2: Sure. So uh, the State Department has 16 diplomats in residence scattered all across the United States. And our primary function is to help recruit uh, students and professionals to think about joining the State Department. So we have an enormous number of opportunities for folks interested in uh, service overseas, folks interested in international public service careers, Uh, Whether that is uh, students who want to consider interning with the State Department in Washington or at one of our embassies or consulates. Perhaps it's someone who speaks a hard language like Arabic or Chinese who wants to participate in our consular fellows program. That's for uh, folks to go work for a a short-term appointment at an embassy or consulate overseas. Or maybe it is people who are interested in an entire career overseas as a foreign service officer. And so that's what I am by, by trade. I'm a public diplomacy officer. So well, this tour, I'm here in New England doing outreach on university campuses and with professional groups. My kind of bread and butter, what I usually do when I'm out at post, out in an embassy or consulate, is serve as the public affairs officer. So that's the person who handles all the kind of external affairs for the embassy. I run cultural exchange programs, like the ones that you guys participate in here at New Hampshire World Affairs Council. I work with the press, maybe doing interviews myself or preparing the ambassador for interviews. Do a lot of outreach, so speaking at colleges and universities overseas and kind of anything at the embassy that involves external outreach.
1: And there's nothing I love more than talking about consular work, and although (laughs) my wonderful husband does so much outreach um, in public diplomacy, kind of in the more formal format for the embassy, consular officers overseas are kind of your on the grounds folks who really, every single day, work with our host country nationals. Consular officers are responsible, first and foremost, for protecting American citizens who are overseas. That's the very first priority that we have. In addition to American Citizen Services, consular officers also work with host country nationals on issuing visas, uh, interviewing and uh, making decisions on visa cases. That can include temporary visas, which if people are coming to the United States just for travel or for study at a university, they would get a temporary visa. And also we work on immigration visas, permanent visas to come live in the United States. Currently in New Hampshire, that's what I'm working on. We have our headquarters uh, for processing our immigrant visa cases here. Uh, all located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I'm really excited to be working on that here. Consular work is incredibly rich because you get to talk to host country nationals every single day and American citizens who are traveling, so you really have a rich, wide variety of stories that you get every day uh, as a consular officer.
0: Yeah, we've taken many of our international visitor leaders to the Visa Center and the Passport Center in in Portsmouth, and it's always Quite amazing to see the breadth and scope of how many visas and how many passports are being processed daily and sort of all the work that goes into that that you don't really think about.
1: Absolutely, and I know that um, it's not its not something that's really commonly known that the State Department has such a presence in New Hampshire, in mm. New England. We have the National Visa Center and the National Passport Center included. Between those two centers, we have approximately 1,300 people who are working in those uh, federal buildings. So we have a really great presence here, and we're really happy to be so fully represented and contributing to the Seacoast area.
0: You guys get new postings every two to three years. How has that been as an experience, particularly with two young children?
1: <laughs>
2: well, uh, maybe I'll start out. I think Cynthia and I would both say that when you're 25 and single in the Foreign Service, <laughs> life is an adventure, right? When you can fit sort of all of your worldly possessions in your car, it, it is pretty easy to kind of move overseas and start life anew. And that's kind of one of the things I like most or have liked most about the Foreign Service is this idea of kind of continuous learning, continual sort of fresh starts uh, when you move to a new country and a new job and everything changes. So it's a, a career that requires sort of constant learning and uh, can be very, very interesting. It's also a huge challenge. Like when you think about uh, picking up and moving away from sort of everything you know and everyone you love and then repeating that every two to three (laughs) years, it does seem uh, uh, sometimes a little bit like insanity. I would say that we've now both experienced foreign service life as singles, as a married couple, and now a married couple with two kids. And it doesn't get any easier. (laughs) You'd sort of think that maybe we, with each move things become easier, but uh, I think it actually gets maybe a little bit harder.
1: Yeah, there are positives on both sides. I mean, one of the things that Phil said about when you're young and single and you move overseas, it is an adventure, but you are leaving behind many of your loved ones, your friends, your family, and it can take a little extra work to create a community for yourself in each place that you go beauty of being a family in this job is that you get to carry some of your loved ones with you. So that has, that's a benefit to being a married couple with children in the Foreign Service. But this career, I think both of us would say, and many people would say, has extreme positives and extreme negatives. You have to be very tolerant of a lot of change because there can be a lot of challenges that go with that. Life is never boring. And when it gets boring, then suddenly you move again. But there are also unbelievable benefits. Our children who are eight and six years old have lived in three countries each, and they're just starting at this. So the awareness and the knowledge and the experience that we're able to give them is is something that we think is priceless and that I know a lot of our colleagues feel the same way about.
0: With all of those challenges and with things getting more difficult, we'll say, what keeps you active and engaged in this work?
1: That is such a good question. Well, if you don't mind me starting out on this, the the work itself is just amazing (coughs) and it can really become addictive in some ways, in a a positive way. Some of the things that I've done in my career as a consular officer, the chances that I've had to help people, from the smallest things like replacing a lost passport to someone who might be panicking overseas, and and that's a really big issue for them at that point, to helping with evacuations getting people out of harm's way. The, the work itself is so rewarding. And of course, there's always days and there are always some positions you have that maybe seem less fun at the time or less crucial, but there are so many opportunities in the Foreign Service to help people and to really see your work having an impact. That keeps me in for sure. And also, certainly the experiences of being overseas, experiencing different cultures, seeing different countries. Seeing it through my children's eyes now is really just unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I mean, from a perspective of a public diplomacy officer, I'm an extrovert. I love meeting people, I love being in new situations, I love bringing people together. And it is just a unique opportunity uh, when you're a foreign service officer, and particularly a public diplomacy officer, to kind of constantly bring people together. One of our programs, the Fulbright Program, has long had this motto about fostering mutual understanding, and I think that's the part that I've liked most so far about the career is no matter which country you're in, there's always this opportunity to bring people together, and maybe it's just for, you know, one one night for a speaker program, or maybe it's an exchange program where you send a high school kid from overseas to the United States for a summer on a civic leadership program, for example, and they come back and say, wow, that totally changed my life. It changed my perspective. I'm so motivated and excited to take all the things that I learned and and start something here in my home country. And, you know, there's an opportunity also to see Americans who are overseas, either studying abroad or participating in State Department exchange programs and seeing how they're expanding their horizon. I guess I, I really do believe that sort of the more global experience people have, the more that we understand each other, the better.
0: So, Cynthia, you are working here in New Hampshire at the Visa Center. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about what's going on there and why it's such a benefit to the state of New Hampshire to have that here?
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's certainly a benefit to the state of New Hampshire because we do employ a very large number of people through our contractor at the National Visa Center. There's over 700 people who work there. So we're an excellent contributor to the economy on the seacoast. In addition to that, which is an important factor, such an important and really unbelievable position that we have, we are the processing center for all immigrant visa applications to the United States. And when one thinks about that, every single person who will immigrate to the United States will have a file that will go through the National Visa Center. It's really an unbelievable role that we have here to make sure that those are processed correctly, processed as efficiently as possible, and that we get all these files out to post so that people can have their dream of coming and reuniting with family members and coming and being productive members of our society. Uh, So it's a real honor, I think, for New Hampshire to be such a strong part of that.
0: And Phil, I know you're looking to recruit people to the State Department and Foreign Service in particular. Who are you looking for and how can they get involved?
2: So a great question. So the State Department represents the United States overseas. We represent America overseas. And so we take it very seriously that we need to be representative of the United States. So uh, we are looking for a diverse, motivated group of folks. When I say diversity, I mean uh, racial and ethnic diversity, gender diversity, geographic diversity, socioeconomic diversity, diversity of academic background even. We have an enormous number of career opportunities. That can include folks like my wife, Cynthia, who had specialized language skills and wanted to go out and help people in a specific region. So if you have language skills, maybe Mandarin or Arabic or Portuguese or Spanish, we've got a great program called Consular Fellows that would allow you to live and work overseas doing consular work. For the Foreign Service, we are recruiting Foreign Service generalist officers. Those are the public diplomacy or political or economic consular or management officers who work in our embassies, but we're also heavily recruiting for foreign service specialists. So these are folks uh, typically who are mid-career professionals who are bringing in specialized skills. And you can imagine uh, these positions are really challenging. They're challenging in and of themselves, but then let's say a facility manager is trying to figure out how to operate A U.S. Embassy to American work standards, uh, and it might be sitting in the middle of a developing country with huge infrastructure challenges. Maybe the energy grid stops working every day at midnight. Who knows? So uh, tremendous challenges no matter what the sector. So I think we have a really diverse group of folks working at the State Department. We're looking for a really diverse group of people. All of our job opportunities you can find at our website, so careers.state.gov. Careers.state.gov is the website, and it will tell you a lot more about the different things, different opportunities that are available, whether you're a junior in college studying international relations and you want to think about a State Department internship, or maybe a mid-career professional who is interested in a life a little less ordinary.
0: Uh, Any final thoughts before I hit you with the final question? Let's
3: hear the final question. (laughs) All right. Final question
0: (laughs) is, you're still within your first year at these placements, so I know you've got some time, but what's next?
1: Oh, boy. That's actually a really good question, because that's constantly something that's on our mind in the Foreign Service. One of the interesting things about this job is as soon as you settle into your new position, you immediately start thinking about what the next one will be. It can really vary. The quick answer is that we don't know yet. Usually you find out approximately a year before you go to your next place where you'll be going. Uh, most likely, we'll be looking for something overseas again. One of the things about the foreign service is you do spend the far majority of your time outside of the United States, so you have to be comfortable with that idea and interested in that idea. And I expect that that's what we'll be looking at.
2: Yeah, it you know it reminds me one of my favorite times every year is when people get their next postings, and when it's you and you're waiting. Of course, it's like <laughs> nerve wracking and stomach churning as you're trying to figure out like, uh oh, where are we headed next for the next few years of our, our lives? But um, it is also really, really fun because when it's not you and it's your colleagues, you get reminded of all the amazing places overseas where the State Department has an embassy or a consulate and all the amazing opportunities that people have to uh, represent our country overseas. And I I love when we call it Handshake Day. That's when you officially kind of have a handshake of of where you're going to be headed next because it just feels like such a, a time of kind of new opportunity.
0: All right, well, I'm not letting you off the hook, so if you got to choose anywhere...
2: Boy, that's so
1: tough, right? (laughs) Well, our kids would say Disneyland. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's where they'd want to go. I think we're interested in heading back to the Balkans area Mm -hmm. at some point. Um, Both of us really enjoyed that a lot. I loved the years that I spent in the Middle East, but there's something really special about seeing a place where you started your family. Mm -hmm. And since, as my husband said, we've gone from being single to no kids, couple with no kids... And then now having a family. So the fact that we started our family there, we've seen our kids kind of grow there a little bit. We'd be really interested in heading back to that yeah. area. But we'll see. We never know. Just, <laughs> there's just the fact that I said that probably <laughs> yeah. it won't happen. So. The State Department <laughs> would say you have to be flexible.
2: Right. Yeah, right. So we'll see. <laughs>
0: Thank you both again for joining us. We're here with Cynthia Ibed, Consular Officer with the U.S. Department of State, and Philip Beekman, a Public Diplomacy Officer with the Department of State. Thank you both for joining me. Thank Thank you. Thanks for having us,
2: and thanks for all the great work uh, you guys do here in New Hampshire.
0: Academic World Quest is a global trivia challenge for high school students run nationally by the World Affairs Councils of America and locally here in New Hampshire by the Council. It provides high school students with the opportunity to test their global knowledge and win some awesome prizes. This year we were really pleased to be able to provide the top two teams with scholarships to various international programs. The first place team from St. Thomas Aquinas won four partial scholarships to any CIEE high school program. The second place team was fortunate to win academic scholarships to the Nova Academy's Model G20 summit in Cambridge, UK. Here is a quick interview with our winning team from St. Thomas Aquinas. We are here with our Academic World Quest winning team from St. Thomas Aquinas. They had the opportunity to head down to Washington, D.C. to compete in the national competition, and we'll have a little conversation about their experiences in this program. Thank you all for joining us.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Can you introduce yourselves to our audience?
3: Hi, I'm Kate. I'm a senior. Hi, I'm Bella Yurchon. I'm also a senior. Hi,
4: I'm Carla. I'm a senior. And I'm Sabrina, and I'm also a senior.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with us today. Can you tell us how many of you was this your first time competing in Academic World Quest, or have you competed before?
5: So, this was actually my third year in Academic World Quest.
3: This was my first year. I was approached by all three of these girls asking if I wanted to be a part of the team, and I was like, you know, sure, why not? And it ended up being a lot of fun, so.
4: This is my second year participating. Last year I participated in a team of two with some other person and it was pretty fun even though we were short in numbers. This is also my second year.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about what interests you in the program and what you get out of the experience?
5: So I just I love learning about all the different topics that they kind of gather up. I usually find a topic that I have a great interest in like this year it was global migration and then I'll find a topic that I know a little less about but um, and I'm excited to learn about like space for me this year space policy
3: I think for me learning about North Korea was probably the most exciting because that's such a huge part in the world today and in the news so I was glad that I was able to really delve into that
4: I just like all the topics overall because they're also current with today's society, especially the current events section. I liked learning about the country in focus, which was Qatar this year, and I got to learn about Qatar's history. I never knew that it it had a fishing economy before all the liquefied natural gas exports.
0: You guys are a winning team, so congratulations for that. What was your experience down in DC like? What did you do? What did you see? And what was the national competition?
5: Outside of the competition we went to a bunch of monuments and memorials and just a lot of sightseeing. We saw like the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument and all of those were really great to see.
3: The competition itself was also fun. You know, it was exciting to meet people from all around the country, the winning teams, and just to interact with them.
4: For me, it was my first time since I was really little um, in Washington, D.C., so just being in that whole area was pretty exciting to me. It was also my first time in D.C. for a while, so I got to see the monuments as they are now. And I probably don't even remember them when I was little so it was really great to see especially the World War II Memorial. It was really beautiful and it commemorated everything very well.
0: Can one of you give us an overview of what the competition in Washington looks like?
5: So the night before they have a, what do you call it? A reception where all the kids get to meet other kids from different teams and listen to a few speakers talk about different issues. I believe it was someone from the Qatar Institute speaking, and that was great. You just kind of get to know kids from other areas who have similar interests. And then the day of the competition, we all met in the Institute of Peace, and we hear a speaker talk and then we got into the competition, which was just mul- a series of multiple-choice questions about the issues that we have studied.
0: And as part of the New Hampshire competition this year, our winning team got four partial academic scholarships to CIEE's high school programs. Are any of you taking advantage of that? I know you're all seniors, so that makes it a little bit of a tight time frame.
4: Um, um, unfortunately, I don't think any of us okay. are. Yeah. All
0: right. Was that an additional reason why you, I know we kind of brought it in late, but was that an additional perk or, or were you guys really just interested in doing the competition and potentially the trip to D.C.?
5: I know I was interested in the competition, but I definitely think that that was an added perk, especially like if I wasn't a senior, mm. that would have been a
4: great experience, I mm. think. Yeah, I agree with Kate. I would have loved to do the... What is it called? This study, study, you know, study abroad if I wasn't a senior because it would, I don't know, just give me a um, new perspective of
0: the world. Can you also tell us a little bit about why other students should get involved in this program?
3: I mean, it really helps you learn about the news because if I hadn't joined this World Quest program, I probably would never have, you know, been paying close attention to the news and watching it every day. So I think it definitely helps with that.
5: Right, especially in the world we live in today where everyone's so connected to different cultures. Like I could talk to someone from Japan, like online and it's so important to like to know what's going on in other places in the world and to understand other people.
0: We had Philip Beekman, the diplomat in residence, speak at lunch. Uh, was it interesting to hear from him about the potential for careers in the foreign service or working for the State Department?
3: Definitely, as someone who travels a lot, I felt that it was very interesting to find that I could have a career potentially that involved a lot of traveling because I love to travel.
5: Right. I just I thought it was really interesting to hear about his experiences in different uh, countries in his occupation.
0: Has your participation in this program influenced any thoughts of future plans for study or careers?
3: So I actually have a strong desire to do a study abroad in Asia now, maybe like Japan or South Korea, and possibly learn one of the languages in college.
5: I originally was only going to be a bio major, but over the past couple years taking this, I've thought of also maybe doing international affairs instead just the topics have been so interesting to me and also study abroad I think this has introduced that as maybe a great experience to try
4: for me I've always wanted to do a study abroad I just don't know where but like Bella said it's encouraged me to do a study abroad even more I've always wanted to travel I've always liked traveling too and this program has made me want to travel more, but it has also made me want to travel more to other countries I would never consider like Qatar. <laughs>
0: all right, well, any final thoughts for the program? Final thoughts about your your trip to d c
4: um, We just want to thank you guys for giving us the opportunity to do all this all right um I
5: participated in this for the past three years, like I said, and it's definitely been a great experience for me. I've been able to meet kids from a lot of different schools who are interested in the same things as me that I never would have been able to meet, and I've gotten to learn a lot about topics that I never would have known much about and stay more connected with current events.
0: Okay, great. We are here again with the winning team of the 2019 Academic World Quest from New Hampshire. Thank you so much for taking the time and thank you so much for being involved in our events. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Global and the Granite State podcast. We hope that you find these interesting and informative, and that you will come back for our future episodes.